This is going to be a first for the Thought Road podcast. We're going to have the same guest on two episodes. So this week will be part one, and next week we will have part two. You know, there were so many interesting topics that we discussed with this guest, and we're excited to share them with you. Yes, very enlightening for everyone who is creative. everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so you can learn from their life's experiences, and we learn from them too. Yes, and I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Row Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively with their own passions. Okay, so tell us who our guest is today. Well, our guest today is Dion Wilson. He's the founder of Rastar Technologies and founder of Titanium Comics. He discusses his journey from reading lots of comic books as a child, all the way to building and protecting comic book assets. You know, I I know Dion is very successful, but I also know it's because he's not afraid of hard work. There's something to be said about that. And I bet you have a quote that will be very motivating for us today. I suspect so. Yes, I do. So here's our quote for this episode. And it goes like this. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. And others make it happen. And that is by Michael Jordan, a very famous basketball player and athlete extraordinaire. Yeah, very well known, I'd say. Yes. And it's a great quote, too, by the way. It's very befitting to uh, this episode. But, you know, what's amazing to me is how many great quotes come from great basketball players. I I was kind of shocked when you were going through them. Yeah. Their their quotes are really worth checking out if you haven't. They're highly motivational. And this quote is certainly applicable to today's guest. You know, I, I have to admit, I'm not someone who follows basketball. But I agree with you. These athletes know how to face challenges and they succeed. Yeah, they overcome some pretty tough times. So let's bring our guest on. Okay, well, here we go. Let's listen to Dion Wilson. Dion, welcome to the Thought Road podcast. I know we're really excited to have another very creative guest, and you definitely are very creative. My yes, friend. he is. Very Hi, creative. Dion. So good to have you with us today. I know one of the things. Hello. Hi, we're going to be talking about our comic books. Very exciting. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Thank you, uh, Rod <laughs> and Hinji. Thank you very much for having me. So good to have you. Um, but you know what? Before we get started on the interview, we always like to ask our guests what they had for breakfast. So, what did you have this morning, Dion? <laughs> so this morning I had uh, a plain yogurt. Uh, I add a little bit of honey to it, uh, a little bit of kale, and mm. um, and tuna, in fact. Yeah. You know, we've heard a couple of people say that about tuna in the morning, and I think that's really a great idea. It's a power breakfast. Such a power breakfast because you're loading <laughs> your brain. What a great idea. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm going to try that myself. Yeah. So, Dion, it's always nice to know. We always like to know where people are originally from and where they grew up. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in that area? Sure. Uh, I grew up in a small area called Oakland, California. Uh, I grew up in, in the east, east part of Oakland, <clears throat> which is known as East Oakland. And that was uh, many years ago. <laughs> I had an aunt and uncle. I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Oakland, oh, and that right. was many yeah. years ago. Uh-huh. It's a great area, okay. though. It, it, it's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's had its, you know, as as an urban environment, obviously, it's had its, you know, ups and downs. Uh, but, but I grew up there, and I grew up with uh, my great grandparents, my mom, and my grandmother primarily. Mm-hmm. So between their three homes. Oh, nice. That's yeah. such a nice environment. You had so much love there from all the family members. That's so cool. I did. Yes. Thank you. I, I really did. Uh, I learned a lot. And, you know, you, you kind of take it for granted. Um, mm-hmm. I I learned that many of my peers had not been around, or, or later on, I would say, I learned that many of my peers had not been around their great-grandparents. And yes. uh, I grew up knowing my great-grandparents, thinking that everybody was around them, yeah. you know, had, you know, around their great grandparents. And that wasn't the case. So I was very fortunate. Oh, yeah. Um, You're so lucky. Yeah. Uh... yeah. So it, you must have a favorite childhood memory. And I suspect it had something to do with comic books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's, it's a, it's a two, two parter there. Uh, in fact, um, and I was just mentioning this uh, not long ago. I was really fortunate. Uh, the comic shop, the local comic shop, was really just a couple of blocks away from where I lived. So, you know, on, I, I would have to pass it on the way to school and the and the way you know uh, home from school. Mm-hmm. But I would typically have one or two days a week that I would stop in uh, after school. To you know, on one of those days, I'd usually look to see what I want to buy, and the other one, I would I would buy comics. And uh, Fridays were uh, when I was a lot younger. Fridays were really the memory that stands out because after school on Fridays, I go down to the corner store and you know buy you know at that time they had these little small paper bags. I don't know what the you know, the, the measurement of it is was a small paper bag. Right. And it would be filled with candy, mm-hmm. just filled with candy. Oh boy. And, you know, I'm, I'm amazed today that, you know, at my age, I haven't had one cavity. Not <laughs> oh, one. good for you. You know, I could, yeah. I could relate so, to that candy at that age. Believe me. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. It, it was just, it, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was, you know, it was kind of that end of the week reward. You know, you've sure. you know, done all your homework. Uh, you know, you're going to watch cartoons on the weekend. And what better way to kick it off than a bag of junk? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, did you have yeah. to save up your money and, you know, by doing chores and getting like an allowance? Or did your parents say, okay, you've had a great week. Here's some cash for you to go buy some candy and comic books. How did that work for you? Ooh. Well, this is going to sound really interesting. At that time, I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. and I was about uh, that was the 
of fifth and sixth grade, mm. I actually had a job. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. Um, I used to assist uh, the school custodian setting up uh, the auditorium or taking it down after uh, various events and oh, wow. taking out trash. And and he paid us, you know, myself and, and another friend, he paid us out of his pocket. Uh-huh. So it'd be about five bucks. And I think I spent maybe half of that or a little more probably on the candy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that started yeah. you. What a great job, though. Yeah, that started you well yeah. on your course to become a very successful business Absolutely. person. So you were entrepreneurial well, even uh, then. That's so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do it. Um, I, I didn't care. You know, as, as a kid, you already have chores taking out the trash. Yeah. The only difference is these were big bins. Uh, so we, we got a little bit of help. But, you know, we we did what we were told. We we got in and it was, a you know, as you know, you're small. So an auditorium looks huge. Gosh, but yeah. you're taking the, the, the mop. You're taking the uh, the broom. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, the chairs will fold up. And and you're just you're just getting it done, and and it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I probably enjoyed it too much uh, <laughs> because you know you at the end of it you're standing around, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm ready for that money." Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you the, knew the fun stuff the, was going to come with the money. The pay was good, so now we're going to oh, jump. Absolutely. Now we're going to jump forward. That's right. So before we get into what you're currently doing, could you share with us a little yeah. bit about the time you were with the DOD, which is the Department of Defense? Right. The U.S. Department of Defense. Yes. Yeah, we're really taking a jump. We, we, we jumped from yes. elementary and junior high all the way to. Okay, right. Right so on. Should I talk about that in terms of just, the you know, just the environment or what got me there, you know? What would you guys like to know? Perhaps what you actually did there. I think yeah, most people do don't really understand what the DOD, what personnel in the DOD actually do or what you specifically sure. did. Well, I can't tell you what I specifically did, <laughs> yeah, I but I can, so. <laughs> I, can give you, I, can you, <laughs> I can give you some generalizations to go with. I, I actually, I actually, you know, my, my first DOD contract, mm-hmm. you know, was in Eastern Europe. Over an 11-year period, it was in three war zones. So mm-hmm. uh, Eastern Europe at that time had, had calmed down tremendously. But the Iraq war had started up, and, and I got there, you know, a few months after that started up. And, and my third contract was in Afghanistan. And so that was over an 11-year period between those three places, mm-hmm. uh, back and forth in the U.S. too, but primarily over, overseas. And so um, I was a part of uh, multiple security elements uh, from the time I started all the way to the time I ended. And they were different uh, based on what area I was in, what companies I worked for that contracted to the DOD. And and those you know assignments that um, that we were a part of, but uh, it was you know uh, as I was ending my time in Iraq, I got some awards for that. I was really pleased because I don't think I had gotten an award mm-hmm. in a while for anything, so that sure. was really great. I bet. And uh, even in Afghanistan, some recommendations and awards. 
So that that was really something, you know. Um, when I look back at my time there, uh, I think about how, you know, I wasn't I wasn't a soldier. Obviously, I was, you know, uh, you know, by some terms a contractor, by others a you know employee of contract companies to the DOD, and you know, although I was into, you know, the idea of going into the military at a young age, I didn't go in. And uh, by the time I was done contracting, you know, I, I felt a little bit of accomplishment to know that although I had not served, I was able to serve those who did. Well, I think uh, I think you were definitely that. serving the country. Yeah. I mean, the jobs that you were doing related to security and the operations that you were involved in, I'm sure, were important. Very otherwise, important, otherwise yeah. you would have been there. Well, yes, I, you know, I, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> it needed to be significant for me to be there. It really did. Um, there, there were, there were too many risks going into war zones as a civilian, just, just as a person in general. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I've always felt that I was capable of doing more. And and so I I really work to even today to apply myself as much as I can, um, just to you know really use my human potential, just really push myself. Well, you know what I think that you served your country well there. I'm I I, I want to move maybe into what we really want to chat about, and it's related to comics, etc. Um, okay. So. We know that you're the founder of Titanium Comics, Rastar, and Hero Ledger. Why don't you tell us about those companies that you have founded? This is the exciting part. We're yeah. real curious about this. <laughs> okay, so uh, I back in 2010, this is actually during uh, the time uh, that I was contracting, I started a independent comic company. And this this company I started, I, I wanted to, I think like a lot of the independent creators, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to tell stories my own way uh, with characters of my own. And I didn't, you know, jump head first into the business. I, I took time to really research what was going on because um, one of the things that that I did uh, from elementary throughout junior high, I practiced illustration, and it was actually my goal to become an artist for Marvel. Mm. Um, yes, uh, I, I think I've only talked about that one other time. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I got bit by the business bug and decided that you know the the evolution of the early evolution of that was you know, wanting to start my own uh, art studio and start my own comic book company. And that was in junior, excuse me, in, in high school. Mm. Then um, I left comics behind and decided to get into business after high school. <clears throat> and that's what actually got me to the Department of Defense is I, you know, started a security company after I graduated high school. Right. Uh, but you know, going into the comic area while I'm while I'm contracting with the DOD, um, I decided to you know get back into comics, and I started Titanium Comics. 
Uh, I did that for about five years with my original uh, partner. And when, uh, you know, about the time that uh, I pivoted the company towards raster technologies, I was leaving uh, contracting. So, you know, it was about, you know, halfway into my contracting life that I started the company. And by the time I pivot to Raster, yeah, Raster, which was about 2015, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that was the point where I was done with contracting. I wanted to pursue, you know, I wanted to pursue this environment, you know, with 100% of my time. Uh, you know, one, one of the amazing things that I learned in contracting was, you know, if you can use, you know, that many hours working, you know, you know, some, you know, sometimes it'd be, you know, 10 days straight, seven days straight, 12 hours, 15 hours. If you can do that, then what could you accomplish for yourself? And so, you know, the company was built. Yeah. You know, the company was built and uh, I saw it go on Facebook from, you know, the original eight followers we had to close to 60,000. And I said, you know, I want to I want to push the limit here again. I want to you know do as much as I can. Uh, But when I got back to the U.S., I realized that the value proposition just wasn't there, that, you know, uh, akin to a community pool in the summer it's going to be packed to capacity, right? It, it, the hotter it is, everybody wants to get in that pool. And when, when you look into the environment, which is what I had to do, I found that there were literally over 10,000 uh, comic publishers worldwide, not major publishers, but independent and small groups and individuals. And I just didn't feel that the value proposition was there. I, I I believed that I wanted to make a difference with the company, but I couldn't do that doing the same thing that everybody else was doing. Yeah. Right. So that's when I decided, yeah, that's when I decided to look at solving problems. And I began to interview my peers uh, from around the world. Unfortunately, uh, through Titanium, I built a network of creators around the world at different levels. And I begin to ask them questions. And, you know, I found the patterns of the things that were similar, regardless to where those creators were. And there were generally about three things that they had in common, uh, with, with the fourth being an area of expertise, I would say. So um, they really didn't have the information that they needed uh, they didn't have the data, the insights. And because of that, they were not really getting the brand recognition, the monetization, you know, and, and not able to collaborate effectively. And so that's where it was about pivoting to a, a company that could create some type of a product that would you know, begin to address those issues. That's very formidable. And that, so that was Raster then? Yes, that that was Raster Technologies. Um, The the premise of the technologies part, 
it, it was trying to understand what would act as a solution. So through through my research and and my partner at the time that carried over from Titanium Comics, we looked at a, a number of things. We looked at hardware. Uh, we looked at software. You know, we were trying to figure out what would help us to implement these solutions. And at the at the end of the day, it came to software uh, really being able to have the reach and the range that would uh, meet these type of demands from from so many diverse groups, but all having similar similar issues. Mm-hmm. So we we decided software and we decided that we would create applications that would address these issues. And um, you know, in my in my early days, not not having a software background, not knowing anything about the software development life cycle. Um, it was, it was, it was, it was fun, but it was uh, really sloppy. Oh, I bet. Until, <laughs> we all go through yeah. that. Yeah. Well, well, there's such a learning yeah. curve. I mean, you know, we don't all know every single thing that, you know, there is to know. So like, it's a struggle Ooh. definitely when you start a new business. Yeah, well, I brought in, you know, really great guy, Samuel Benton, uh, and he's our chief technology officer. And he basically helped to take ideas that were in the cloud and make them, uh, you know, readable mm-hmm. and and buildable uh, by software developers. And it just seems like from that point forward, as we got into that process, the specific way of getting these things done, more team members came on. Um, you know, I built a just an amazing network of unique and experienced professionals on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, ninety nine percent of my networking today is LinkedIn, and so that that's been really helpful to our process. We've built, you know, not only Raster but Multiverse, which is our forward facing brand. So, mm-hmm. you know. It, even though I was okay with the tech company, I didn't think that the comic creators would really get this idea of tech and comics together. So we we wanted to create a brand face there mm-hmm. that would be more in line with what they were used to as far as the comics were concerned and the community that surrounds that. And so that's what Multiverse became. And, and we've been fortunate to, you know, build that side of thing that's that's that side of things that's focused on the community, focused on the user base, you know, focused on the education and and really focused on, uh, you know, getting the users uh, onboarded to the to the software. Right. You know, I think we want to kind of move forward a little bit on this and see just exactly these companies that you've created and what they will do for people. I know Inchi has a question related well, you know, to I, that. I wanted to know, what was sure. your big, biggest challenge when you were building the company? I mean, I know that you had a lot to deal with. Um, what was the biggest challenge? <laughs> well, um, biggest challenge. Well, you know, the biggest challenge has always been needing to do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, with less resources, and, and so you know, you're you're really required 
to hanker down when it comes to your education and, you know, really getting bold and asking questions, going to people you don't know and, and trying to get them to give you tips and just some insights and, and formulate a plan. You know, it's, it's as a, and I consider myself an entrepreneur. I know a lot of people do, but I have yes, you are. certain, yeah, I have certain, certain um, biases about, you know, what an entrepreneur is and is not, but, um, you know, it's a very nonlinear path. You know, when we, when we're in school and, and, you know, you're going to college and you're going to become an accountant, it's literally laid out for you. If you, if you miss those steps, you either need to do something else or you really didn't pay attention because it's, it's right there for you. But when it comes to building a business, there are just a million different ways that you can get to the goal. And it's really about finding the formula, the methodology that works best for you. And if you have a team, you know, that works best for you and the team, as, as well as the product and the, and the consumer base that, that's going to be a part of that experience. So it's just, it's just a very nonlinear process. And that can be very uh, difficult especially with the media. The media uh, is not nice about that. (laughs) And I say that (laughs) because, you know, I I had a huge habit of watching uh, Bloomberg Tech and and just Bloomberg in general, you know, one of my favorite stations. And uh, the, the problem is you're hearing about, you know, the success stories. Um, and you're wondering, taking a nonlinear path, you're, you're always wondering, why am I not one of these people on, you know, being interviewed here on this channel about my success? And, and it's because you haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> you know, that's oh, a or, big the, or they don't. The biggest issue is they don't recognize it or they don't know about you. And they're not all that inventive. They look, they just look for stories that are pretty easy to put together. They don't mm, dig, dig real deep or they don't find the innovators because they end up interviewing the innovators long after they become super successful. They forget about oh, all the trials true. and tribulations that you certainly have gone through mm-hmm. to get to where you are. Why don't you tell us about Hero Ledger? I kind of think that's a cool name. Such a cool sure. name. Sure. Okay. So Hero Ledger is our first foray into software technology for the comic book industry. Uh, We did not come to Hero Ledger easily. There was a lot of pain, a lot of growing pain. There was a lot of work that went into it. But essentially, Hero Ledger, and it wasn't the first application we created. We actually have uh, two applications. Hero Ledger is the one that we're introducing to the public first. Uh-huh. But the the purpose was to again, you know, create applications that would meet the the comic creators' goals of monetization, brand recognition, and effective collaboration, our three pillars. And so Hero Ledger actually assists in in two of those ways. So 
there is a tremendous amount of artistic intellectual property that is created by any one artist, writer, graphic designer annually. Um, we, we did some surveying and on average, it's about 300 pieces a year. And, and that's, that's a low average because the better you are at, at illustrating or writing, you have even more of these things. But a, but a lot of this work is not seen or monetized. It's just sitting on a shelf. It's, it's typically used to profile the creator to come work for a Titanium Comics or Marvel or DC Comics, you know, but, but it's not used when they get there. So they, they've used a lot of their skills and a lot of their, you know, time as money to perfect themselves and to sell themselves, but the products themselves never get anywhere. And so th there's another side to that. And there's the production time where you have people who want to create, uh, you know, and, and add to their, their productions, but they, they don't quite know what they want to add. And so we felt this is, that, that was a great problem solution to be a part of. And, and Hero Ledger was designed to really meet not only the buy and sell, but help a lot of unused and unmonetized art, un unused and unseen art rather become monetized. And then on the opposite side of that for, you know, individuals and groups that are trying to put together a comic or a story, they would be able to purchase or license these works in what they're working on. So it would also, uh, you know, make the, the production time more efficient for those that are, you know, uh, in that process. And so Hero Ledger was really created to do that. And it was also created, another primary purpose for Hero Ledger is really to measure what hasn't been measured. Uh, again, the independent creators aren't really thought about or known about. We can name Spider-Man, we can name you know, uh, Superman and, and, and various commercial characters and storylines. But, you know, if I mention some of the, the independent groups, people won't know who they are typically. And so it, it's, it's just really important that these brands, uh, you know, have uh, more recognition. It's, it's important that they, you know, get forward. They, they, they're not in business, uh, you know, as hobbyists, they, they, they really are there to make money. So you know, that's, about that. yeah, that's really quite brilliant. And I want to make a comment about that. What sure. happens with all creative people, artists, illustrators, writers, whoever, they're practicing their craft and they're basically building content and then they build a portfolio. They show that portfolio and then people hire them based on that portfolio but there's some really rich content in that portfolio that you're saying never really sees the light of day. And then probably more importantly, the talent behind it never sees the light of day. We all know Spider-Man, but we really don't know much about who creates it, the illustrators or the whole process of it, of it ending up in a comic book. And there's so many talented people that are involved in making it a success. And each one of those people 
it, rarely, if ever, get any kind of credit for it. So what you're creating is a way for people, creative people in those industries, especially the comic book industry, you're creating a mechanism so they can monetize the creations that they have been making all along the way. Is that correct? That, that is correct, Rod. Um, that's absolutely correct. You, you, you've, you know, maybe we should hire you on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what you're doing uh, yeah. is very exciting. It's that's so why exciting. Inchi and I wanted to have you as a guest because so many people miss this point. I mean, there's so much more to creativity uh, than most people think about. Yeah, it's not just only producing the creative product, but there's so much more behind. Well, that. you want to monetize it. You you're monetize sitting on it. you're sitting on a huge portfolio. I mean, artists have oh, rooms filled with paintings that that will never go anywhere. Absolutely. Let, let me give you you really quickly. You talk about how much intellectual property is, is being sat on. Well, mm-hmm. you know, as a as a you know, I consider our company a scale up, not a startup, because we're 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 past three years for for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, investors and other people in business want to know the numbers, and we took time, actually, the first three years, to do a lot of digging and surveying, and you know, interviewing to get the insights. And one of the things we recognized as we were finding out about the average, you know, um, intellectual property creation is the average values. And we're really talking about um, if we, you know, just take the low ball numbers there um, and we take an average price of about $100 per intellectual property asset, you know, mm-hmm. what, what someone might spend to have that creator create that thing. Um, and that's a very low number. You know, character might go $400, but an entire script might go for a couple thousand. But, you know, we use the $100 uh, because there were more pieces that were in that in that price range than not, and and we're really talking about seven to ten billion dollars of value cool. annually. So to to give, I want to give you context. <clears throat> so uh, a few years back, we know that Disney purchased Marvel uh, Comics for about I think four point three or four point five uh, billion, and uh, same thing for Lucasfilm. Right. Right. Um, so that was about an eight, nine billion dollar, you know, you know, purchase. Well, if we look at one of those companies, um, that being Marvel, it, it literally you, you might as well say it took Marvel about, you know, almost 80 years to uh, come to a four point five billion dollar value. And Lucasfilm in about half that time. Well, these creators are creating that much of value each year. Mm. So it's, it's, it's twice, um, I'm not, excuse me, not twice, but it's, it's, it's either equal to or greater than, you know, seven to 10, 10 billion, uh, what Marvel and, uh, Lucasfilms were purchased for. And, and that was only, that purchase only happened one time. It took, you know, one company about 40 years, it took the other company about 80 years to come to that value. But the values created in this environment are done each and every year. You see, it's it's phenomenal. And, oh, and there's no system to manage that. There's no system to really help these creators get the most out of the kind of 
unique and and um you know, just the, the the ecosystem they built for themselves. Well, they're very inventive. They're very creative. And I'm sure they want to have a reward, financial reward for the effort that they put in. And if they're sitting on all of that creativity, it would certainly be nice if they could uh, turn a profit on it or have it protected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that is that is why we're here. You know, Hero Ledger again is, is the first application, but we are building an entire cloud environment with several applications where data insights, uh, collaboration with new partners, uh, the ability to incentivize your your peers as well as your customers and engage them more, more thoroughly. You know, as and and sell your products. You know, produce and and sell your products. We're creating an environment for that. I like that. And so you know, Hero Ledger is just the first, but um, it it is blockchain enabled, and it does have the system does have a utility token, and they will be able to use that token to again incentivize their uh, their teams, their their consumers. And and I would I would say that that adds an additional layer of value that, you know, even the consumers aren't getting these days. I mean, you know, the consumers are very fortunate to have just a ton of products and services that, whether you're a small business or a big business, you're just throwing it at them. Yeah, you, you know. know um, yeah, yeah, I have to ask you this because this there's so much talk about this. In fact, we even had an episode related to NFTs. But what oh, you're yeah. sharing with us uh, sounds like turning comics, yeah, books, kind of, illustrations, agree. characters, music, et cetera, mm-hmm. into an NFT. Mm-hmm. Is your platform related to that technology at all? Well, Rod, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, you asked that question. Um, it is not. Um, NFTs, non-fungible tokens... And, and and I want to give some context here, you know, because I know on other shows as well as in the community, you know, in my media community, uh, anytime those three letters are raised, everybody, especially on my team, they know I'm going to, you know, uh, you know, here he goes. He's going on his, <laughs> on his uh, yeah. you know, on his talk. But uh, essentially. You know, the focus in the market right now is on the collectability of these items. We're focused on production. We're focused on the long game. We're, we're, the, the difference is we deal with the files that they use every day. So, you know, they're dealing with image files. They're dealing with audio, video. Um, and text files, essentially, to produce. And, you know, when we when we look at the comic book producers, they're trying to sell those comics. That, that's, that's where they're going to make the lion's share of their money. When we look at those, you know, individual artists and writers, they're, they're, they've got to get those scripts and those characters and those books or in, in some type of visual production. That's how they're going to make their money. Um, with the current use or the current marketing gimmick of NFTs, it's about collectability. It's it's a, it's almost like a lottery, you know, where 
you might make millions of dollars if you know lots of people want to buy that that particular representation and and these are representations of the work what we deal with are the actual works themselves and and we deal with the works where the the the, the patron to those works are embedding those works into uh, products that are making their originator and their uh, you know new producers money. So essentially, if you had a T-shirt company, uh, NG, and you had no, uh, you know, you'd had no characters or anything to go on those T-shirts, right. you could through Hero Ledger through the Hero Ledger marketplace, you could license an available character or image. And, you know, maybe, you know, that would incentivize your, your customer to buy in that T-shirt more. Uh, you know what? I you think it, I think Angie's got a really great question yeah, for you right now. I wanted to ask now. you, she's exactly. kind of going along yeah. that, that line exactly. because, yeah. you know, I'm all about Absolutely. wanting to monetize as much as possible because that way you're doing the thing that you love and you're bringing joy to other people as well as paying your bills. And it's like, why not? Right. So Absolutely. I'm thinking about when you're talking uh, and telling me this, I'm thinking about if I'm a comic book illustrator, how can your company help me protect my intellectual property, which is important these days? And then what can you do for me to, to monetize, to it, and monetize save it. it and help and, you know, further the career here? Well, that, that's, you know, Angie, that's, that's a really good question. Oh, two, you know, two good questions. One of the things, when we, you know, also when we talk about NFTs, there's, there's a lot of talk about these products being able to protect intellectual property. And there's even a lot of talk in the general blockchain environment, you know, in the ecosystem about, you know, asset protection, intellectual property protection. But we don't, we don't like to go that far because I think that when we do that, we're stepping on, you know, we're, you know, we're in legal hot water because what we can do and 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 I'm I'm going to be as bold as to spread this idea over even the ones who are boasting intellectual property protection in the in the uh, crypto environment mm -hmm. in the you know blockchain environment and other places. Right. What we can do and what 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 is available to us through software is attestation. Okay, attestation is an attribute of protection. But it is not the, you know, end of the road. You know, it's not even the, you know, it's 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 not, it's not everything. It's just a part of the process of having to prove legally that you are either the originator and owner or the uh, current owner mm -hmm. of a work mm -hmm. and. The attestation part is the system being able to say, as much as we're aware, this individual has, you know, uploaded this unique digital asset to Hero Ledger. They've signed off on, because our system has, uh, in, in the process of user registration, there's documentation that you have to digitally sign off on that you have ownership 
and or control of the assets that you are putting in the marketplace. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and those things being managed by smart contracts, being added to Comic Chain, our blockchain, which which hosts uh, Hero Ledger, then those things are associated with you as a user. So now, when you get your attorney, whoever your legal uh, you know legal advisor is, you now have information to support your claim but only in a legal court of law or in some type of, you know, um, a legally administered uh, arbitration, can the, can the decision be made that you do or do not own something? You see, yeah. it, it, is, it is impossible for us to make such a claim. But what we can do, what software has been doing for a long time, is a date and a timestamp. Oh yeah, and for sure. That is that is one of the important things. There are other parts of that, but there's no proof that when you add an asset, you know, or, or you know, you, you add a an asset to a platform that you own that. You know, there there there's there's no proof of that. Well, especially, you know, especially, let me interrupt you, but especially in social media, because there's a lot of social media people that say once you upload one of your assets that they have uh, some claim to it. So right off the bat, you're, you've jeopardized it. You know, there, there's so many mm-hmm. things that you have to share with us, and then we're going to have time to hit it all. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. There's a couple yeah. things that we definitely want to ask you, and then we'll have to definitely have you back on again. But among the, among the many hats that you wear, Dion, you must be an expert mm-hmm. at managing all of the elements associated with this type of business, and there are a lot of elements there. How do you keep it all moving forward? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so many. Uh, you know, th- yes, there, there's a lot of things that, that I have to read on and understand. But, you know, I, I have to first say uh, there's a lot of things that I could name that I do. But the, the very first uh, group of people that I have to really uh give the accolades to our are my teams you know um without them there's a lot that i could not do and when i say my teams i'm talking about everything from our direct you know co-founders and members of raster multiverse our you know associate partnerships uh and and just business associates business colleagues that i've known over the years and and over this time they help to really, you know, uh, you know, piece together this process. You know, we we don't take what we do lightly. I don't take it lightly. So I know that I have to get smarter people than myself, even though my ego says there's nobody smarter in the room. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> Every great company has that same kind of leader. You have the people, yeah. you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, but you don't let them know it. Right. And I take a lot of notes. I mean, I take a profound amount of notes. I have, and I, and I keep those notes. I date, timestamp them myself. You know, um, it's, it's very important for me to do that as a part of, 
you know, going forward, getting to the goal. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, it's a nonlinear process, but, you well, know, it sounds like a, it's an exciting mm-hmm. one that you're doing. Okay, Angie, yeah. leave this great question you have. Well, for you Dion. know, I, I've been wanting to ask this like the whole show because you're such a creative person, Dion, and I, I, I'm always curious. What would you? What would be the one thing that you would tell people that want to live a creative life? Wow. Um, you know, as I as I think about that, uh, you know, the the words of Art Williams comes to mind, mm-hmm. and Art Williams, you know, said, "Just do it," and. Uh, You know, we learned later that Nike, you know, has a similar model, whether or not, you know, they were had aligned, you know, visions is, is, you know, neither here nor there. But you need to relax. Um, You need to relax. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that period of quietness that comes with truly relaxing, you need to let go. And, you know, do the thing. Very good. And that, that's, 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 that's yeah, and that, that resonates with people that really understand how to be creative because they need to let go. You know, I'm going to ask you this question. I love this question. I've always asked it myself. Every successful creative person tries to be original and authentic. But there are times we all have self-doubt. I know I do. How do you manage to get through those self-doubt times? I, so I have my own version of a Bible, and um, I'm not by any any means downplaying any uh, Holy Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Those are very, very important, too. Um, I, I keep a journal, and I fill it with motivational sayings that, that I've learned from others. And I go back over those things. I also have in that same journal my personal accomplishments and and the specific ones where it seemed like I was in the 11th hour and the answer wasn't there, the process wasn't there. Uh, you know, it looked like there was a lose that was going to happen. Yeah. And and I I wrote those things down so that I could go back to them and say, hey. If you got through this, you can get through whatever you're, you know, going through and whatever comes at you. Boy, well, you that's know, timely it, for yes, everyone. I think these days, for really. sure. And you, as a, you. you have the ability to illustrate. So next to those things, you should put a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It feels like that sometimes. <laughs> it does. It does. We all, there are we all a lot of things to know. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, you know, before we wrap up the show, we always ask our guests this question, and I'm I'm fascinated to find out what you're going to say. So if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be, Dion? Uh, you know, you're fascinated about, about the answer to this, uh, Angie. So yeah. am I, because... Uh, there are there are a lot of people. There mm-hmm. are a lot of people. I you know I even thought about God uh, really quickly thinking you know thinking about this. But you know you said it from the past. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna just be selfish. Uh, I'm gonna save myself. Mm. Oh, okay. I like that answer. Which yeah. self would you? Yeah. Which self would you want to talk to? The little kid, the teenager, high school self, high school, high self. school self. Yeah, yeah. So would you advise? Would you advise your high school self? Absolutely. You know, uh, interesting. I, I have to say this. I, I heard. You know, I heard Will Smith actually say that he would do. You know, just the opposite from most of us who said they would go back and tell themselves something. He yeah. would go back and ask um, his his younger self, you know, how to how can he keep taking the kind of risk that he did at that, you know, uh, in, in his earlier days. Yes. Well, for myself, you know, I'm, I'm not as humble as him. I would go back and I would tell myself things. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that uh, I didn't have guidance on. I had to find my own way. People. Sure in my family didn't know because they, they didn't go on this track. Mm-hmm. And um, I would try to give myself some key points about who I am in a, in a, in a deeper sense. Um, now, I probably would try to cheat, too, on a few stocks. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> When we all Let's see, buy not, Amazon, you know, buy Apple, right? And all that stuff. Right. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that self wouldn't have even known what those companies were. But, right. Um, you know, except Apple, you know, but um, I, I would really have a conversation about the, the inner me, who I am deeply and, and what it has really meant to the people around me and to the world around me and what it can mean. That's a, very, that profound, a, very profound a, a, a answer. Great answer. Very yeah. profound. And thank you for sharing that because it's very insightful. Yes. And a lot of us should never, ever think to even think about that. No. You know, we say, oh, I want to be with you my grandparents or this yeah. famous artist or whatever. But yourself has a lot to tell yourself if you actually listen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is uh, we're running out of time, unfortunately, and you have so yes. much more that we want to ask you about, talk to you about. So we're going to have to have you on again. But uh, also, um, I'm glad we had the opportunity to chat with you today. Your vision is one of the best ways to, of using technology for, for, for uh, protecting many people that are creative. It's very exciting what you've been doing and what I know you'll continue to do. And we're going to want to know more about what you have to say. This has been a yeah, great so maybe interview. In the future, you can come back on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm glad then, to have been here with you, too. Yes. Yeah, so, so happy you were here with us today. And um, I know that I need to let our listeners know, if you'd like to know more about Dion, we will have links for him under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com. So you can all learn about him and connect with him on social media and check out his website. Yeah, also, uh, you can meet Dion and know about him, know more about him and what he's doing on LinkedIn. In fact, that's where we met. And uh, we've had a lot of conversations through LinkedIn, and that was one of the reasons why we decided to have Dion on the show. But you can connect with him on LinkedIn right off the bat, and you'll really get to see all that his companies are doing and how beneficial they can be for creative people, and especially people that are in the world of comics and creating mm, comics right at all levels, right? Thank you. Thank you, Dion. 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Rod and Angie. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Rod and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. Um, And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free and we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. <laughs>